0: Welcome to The Cigar Cast, your one-stop weekly shop for all things cigar-related, including reviews, industry news, and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond, and I'm joined, as always, by Shane Reeves. Just the two of us tonight. First time in a couple of weeks. It's the podcast equivalent of a bottle episode. It's, just, it's no extemporaneous characters. It's just the original cast.
1: And I enjoy that. I enjoy having our guests. Bo was wonderful. Tim's great. Um, Austin taking over the cigar shop tonight.
0: That's right. This is the last night of the Spoky Cigar 2. We can officially say that now. And, uh, we definitely want to take this opportunity to wish him luck at Crown Cigars and Ales.
1: Yeah, and that's a, it's an interesting name, but Austin, he's a young man. If y'all have heard, go back to episode three and you can hear Austin. Um, just a great young guy. Starting to live the dream. He's getting to live the dream. He's going to run his own cigar shop with all of its unique challenges and everything that goes with it. And he's really excited and he's
0: really nervous. and, And I can't wait to have him back on in a couple of months after he's had a chance to stretch
1: his legs a little bit and find out how it stacked up. It'll be interesting. I wonder if he'll, by then, kind of be jumpy and like someone that just come back from war. <laughs>
0: you don't know, man. You weren't there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or if he'll be a little more relaxed and laid back. Like, yeah, I found out that all my plans meant nothing. and <laughs> Afghanigly.
0: So, I have been looking forward to this all stinking day. Uh It's been a while since we recorded just the two of us, and so I really am excited to get a cigar lit up, Uh, but I'm going to let you go first and tell us what you're smoking tonight.
1: All right, tonight I am smoking one of my favorites. Now, we've spoken before about Kentucky fire-cured tobacco, and the barn smoker, if you've never been to the barn smoker in Kentucky when Drew Estate has it every October, go. It's absolutely wonderful. I go every year. They take you from the whole process, from seed all the way to the finished cigar sitting in your hand. So tonight, I'm smoking a Kentucky Fire Cured Flying Pig. Excellent. Now,
0: I've got a question on that cigar, because it's a Drew Estate cigar. But I've noticed that it's branded with the M-U-W-A-T, that my Uzi weighs a ton. Is there a separate branding that they do there?
1: I think it has something to do with the factory. What I think it actually is, is you have the Liga Pravada line, Mm -hmm. and then you have the Muat lines, and you have the Hoya de Nicaragua lines. (laughs) The Acid lines also, you have those. You have so many different lines of Drew Estate. I think that's how they brand each of them. And I would bet it has to do with where they're rolled at in the factory, because they have one of the large, I think it's the second largest factory in Nicaragua. Oh, I didn't realize it was that big. Yeah, and I'm one day I'm going to break down and go on the cigar safari down there. Everybody, that would be awesome. Oh everybody I've talked to said it is amazing, said that all the cigars you can smoke. The we've seen pictures of the pool with the big Liga Pravada symbol in the bottom and everybody I've talked to said it is an amazing experience and you just have to go. But I have not broke down and went just yet. Well,
0: all right, so talk to me about the size of this one.
1: This one is about a 56, 58 ring gauge. It's only about three inches long. so it's Sometimes a, that's all you need. Sometimes that's all you need. But that's a much shorter cigar, but it's so flavorful. And that Kentucky Fire Cured Tobacco, what they do is they actually smoke the tobacco. And we've spoken before that before. We've spoken to that before. Please excuse me. I'm excited tonight as well because I'm getting to <laughs> finally enjoy this cigar. It was a long weekend. But they smoke this tobacco in the barns here in Kentucky. This is probably the most local cigar I smoke. And then they send the tobacco to Nicaragua where it's rolled. Because labor laws in America won't let them have rollers in America.
0: For, for 20 cents a stick or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, for whatever it is, they're keeping my prices down. Right. Well, the, um, the Flying
0: Pig is, is one of those that I know is a, for Drew Estate collectors and legal collectors, it's a big deal. What is it that makes that so special?
1: This is just a shape that Drew Estate does not usually do. The flying pigs are always a little chunkier. They always seem to me to be just a touch more potent. Okay. You know, when I light this up, you'll really smell it. It'll really fill this porch up with aroma. So I think that's just the designation of it. Now, I've had the Undercrown flying pig, the Shade. Mm-hmm. Was not impressed. The Shade flying pig, to me, just tasted like a bigger shade. Which, man, the shade is perfect the way it is. I'm, I was really disappointed with the shade Flying Pig. But now the Feral Flying Pig is probably my all-time favorite cigar. And that's out of the Liga line, right? Correct. That's okay. a, that is a Liga. So what are you going to be smoking tonight? So I am going to be
0: smoking one of my favorite new cigars. And by new, I mean new to me. Uh, it's by Roma Craft. It's the Crobe magnon series. And the size is the Cranium. So I believe it's a 56 by 5 and a half. So it's a, it's a relatively good-sized cigar. Uh, Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper, just dark and oily and flavorful all the way through from stem to stem. For me, that's usually about an hour-and-a-half smoke, so I really get to enjoy it. It's, you know, we were talking earlier, right? I've been looking forward to this moment all day. I'm having a great day. I'm in a great mood. The weather's fantastic. And this is one of those days where you, where rather than say, uh, you know, I'm getting off work today, I guess I'll go hang out at the cigar shop before I go home. It's, I want to go s- just add the enjoyment level to this, uh, to my day. And this cigar is that for me.
1: You know, we hear a lot. About the good life. People talk about living the good life and driving the fancy car, smoking the big cigar, um, dating the supermodel, but I think the good life is a state of mind. Um, Theoretically, I think you have to be prepared to enjoy life. And my cigar is an accessory to that. It's by no means the focus of my life, but. My cigar. I'm sitting here with my cigar. I've got a little cognac, nice and relaxed. It just it, to me, it don't get no better than this.
0: Well, it's right. You know, I I got the the lovely opportunity to babysit my little niece and nephew. They're eight months and four, and not in that order. Um, <laughs> and you know, I had one of the best nights I've had in a very long time Saturday night, and it had nothing to do with a cigar. So there's definitely, you know, to just to be happy and to enjoy yourself, it doesn't require it, but it certainly does add something to it when you can.
1: Well, but it seems like there's people in life who are prepared to enjoy life and who aren't people who no matter, you know, they say they'd complain if you hung them with a new rope, no matter how good their life gets, they still seek something to complain about. And I'm just not that guy. I'm the guy that I want to enjoy a nice drink in moderation. I want to enjoy a good cigar, maybe two. And just relax and let the world come to me. You know, I was actually talking about this
0: the other day at work, which is, you know, you have the ability when you wake up every morning to choose your attitude. We are all throughout the day, throughout our lives, throughout the year, whatever measure of time, we're all going to be thrown stuff that that we're not expecting. Sometimes it's great. Other times it's not. And how we choose to respond to that is, makes all the difference. So I personally, like you, I prefer to choose an attitude that makes me happy and, and where I see the the good in the world and, and that sort of thing. And, and to me, cigars are part of that.
1: Well, and I'm interested to know from you, how much of that do you think is nature and how much of that is
0: nurture? 100% nurture.
1: I... At
0: least for me. Some people are genetically wired to be optimistic, positive people. Now, anyone in my family will tell you that for the most of my life, that was not me. Uh, as, a, as a kid and sort of a teenager in early 20s, I was just a little bit of a sad sack, if I'm honest. Always pessimistic, cynical. And then one day it just occurred to me that, like, that's no way to live a life like no one wants to be around me i didn't want to be around me cuz it was just so so i it was about the time that i got in sales that i started realizing that that you control your own destiny and you can control your attitude and so i just started working at it just anytime something would be presented to me now i can react one of two ways why don't i choose the one that is uplifting and positive And it's amazing how you eventually become that uplifting and positive person, and you can affect the people around you that way, too.
1: Well, I have a family that is prone to laughter. My family has always been about laughter and always been about, hey, suck it up. Don't get so offended because somebody told a joke. If you're not smart enough to come back with something funny, don't get mad because of it. And I think that's really colored my adulthood. I can dish it out and I can take it. And I enjoy doing that. You know, We were sitting playing poker the other night and picking on Bo and picking on the other guys at the table. We just had a good time and nobody got offended.
0: Right, because everybody understands at least I find for the most part in a cigar shop you run into that a lot. It's, it's It's not a frat house, but it is fraternal in that regard, right? So we all kind of know that there's a certain nature of Uh, or a certain amount of good-natured ribbing that goes on and everyone takes it at face value and it allows everyone to become, you know, really a close-knit group because you've got the shared commonality and everyone's just there to have a good time.
1: And it's not a group of commitment. It's something where you can go there and you can enjoy it and if someone don't show up to the cigar shop for a week or so, We'll miss them, but we probably won't track them down. Right. When they're ready to come back, they come back. But um, this past weekend, my grandfather passed away. I'm not going to bring the show down, but I did get to really experience a different portion of life with that. I was so blessed to know him so well. You know, when we start talking and making plans, I'm like, okay, he always drank a Mountain Dew. He carried a Buck Three-Blade Stockman Micarta Scale pocket knife. And just realizing how well I got to know him kind of, it, ma- it made me happy to know because not everybody gets that opportunity.
0: No, they certainly don't. And we had this conversation last week about the, the influence that the adult men in our lives as we were growing up, the impact that they had on us. And it's amazing when you sit down and start thinking about those things and you realize how much of your character is shaped by the people you surround yourself with.
1: It's Yeah, it's just a, it's a great thing. But as we're choosing a place to shape ourselves, coming back to the Cigar Cast.
0: Yeah, we got a little existential there for a
1: minute. <laughs> it's always nice. You always should have something to say. And thinking about what makes a good cigar shop. You know, I've been pondering this a lot lately because Austin taking over the shop, I can see a tremendous amount of opportunity there for him. But you also kind of see the pitfalls. So what to you is the number one thing that makes a good cigar shop? The n- the number one thing that makes a good cigar shop it,
0: kind of as it relates to how we got into this topic is the is the people. You know, it's there's something about walking into a shop for the first time and and feeling like you're home. You know, it's you we are the, the sum and total of the people we spend the most time with. And for me, that tends to be people in a cigar shop. And so knowing that I'm with people that I can feel comfortable around, knowing that there's an atmosphere of inclusion. Uh, we talked about the mayor, right? El Presidente. Any shop that has that guy, that to me is the first step because that's when you first walk in the door and that's the first sign of, of how much I'm going to enjoy my time here.
1: Well, and the culture of the shop. I think every shop kind of has its own vibe and its own culture. Just here locally, you know, there's a shop here in the town I live in. It was founded by a gentleman that came from Michigan, came from up north. And the culture he put in there of the ice hockey and the, the just different type of humor, the different type of sense of humor doesn't really flow with me. So I've never made it a point to frequent that shop. Now, I don't. I wish him all the luck in the world. I don't begrudge that shop. But the culture there just does not match my culture.
0: Absolutely. You know, so I've I've lived... I've had the pleasure of living many different places in my life. And even you know, within one city or one metropolitan area, you're going to find shops that you do enjoy hanging out in those that you don't, you're going to but the difference in culture between say the shops from Atlanta and the shops in Dallas and the shops here, even regionally, there are some differences. You know, we, we talked uh, with, with Bo on one of the episodes about whether or not a shop has alcohol either beer on draft or a full bar, or whatever it may be. There are some places where that's just non-existent. It, it doesn't happen at all. And
1: then there are other places like around here where you see it more and more and more. And there's, I've seen cigar shops that had the honor bar system where they kept a couple of bottles upstairs in the lounge. And when one bottle went empty, somebody would bring another bottle in. And it was kind of, it was unique to me because I couldn't fathom how that works but it worked for them. It was really a great deal. They really enjoyed it and they all got to try different kinds of liquors and nobody abused the privilege.
0: And I think that goes back to the culture of the shop, right? Uh my home shop in Atlanta when I was living there was one that, you know, in that area you're not allowed to serve alcohol in the shops and so it's but there is BYOB. It's a gray area, but we did anyway. <laughs> and so those of us that were regulars would bring stuff in to share. Because we knew that by sharing, the next person who came in with something would be equally willing to share. And it was something that, you know, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, right? It takes one person's initial generosity, but much like a positive attitude, it's contagious. And you create a very tight-knit group of people there.
1: It always astonishes me how many cigar shops will have just an amazing humidor. But the owner is such a jerk. It just it begrudges me every time I buy a cigar there. And he he made the only have the only cigar in town that I want that day. And it just it drives me nuts to know that I'm gonna go buy one from him. Well, there's so many
0: different personalities from reps to shop owners to customers. You know, it's it's a lot of different people. So there's a lot of variance there and and I think the from the outside world, those people that don't smoke cigars kind of think of this hobby as being a little bit stodgy, a little bit kind of curmudgeon-y, if I can invent a word, and I think the the old white guy behind the counter that that owns the shop is kind of the the flagship of that. Now, much like Austin and several other of my friends, there's an influx of youth in the industry right now, especially on the rep side, that is changing that a little bit. Uh, but I completely understand. You know, occasionally there are those people that. You know, the the $10 cutting fee and the $20 minimum credit card purchase because they weren't smart enough to work out a better deal with their credit card processor and, you know, little things like that. But ultimately, if they've got a good stocked humidor, their attitude's not going to keep me out of the shop. It may keep me from hanging out as much as I would otherwise, but... You know, the first thing I I go when I go into a shop is is look around the humidor. You know, first time in a shop, I'm going to browse around. Even if I know exactly what I want to smoke that day, I'm going to look around first.
1: Well, and I always, I've spoke of it before, I always ask the question, what can I get at your shop that I can't get anywhere else? That's my stock question. Number two is, what's your best cigar over 60? with well, over 60 ring gauge, not $60. I was about to say, wow. <laughs> but your best cigar over 60 ring gauge cuz I love a big ring gauge cigar. I just I like that. I feel like in the big ring gauge, the 60s and 70s, if they take the time, they can put so much flavor in there. Now, granted, 8 out of 10 of them don't take the time. Right.
0: It's there's a there's a, a more is more. kind of mentality of let's just throw a bunch of tobacco in this and see what sticks against the wall kind of thing but then you get there uh was the um the room 101 big payback was the first six by 60 that i had that i that i could really tell like okay they knew this blend was going into a cigar of this size and tailored it accordingly
1: Well, in the infancy of my cigar days, when I was just learning cigars and really getting used to it, one of my dear friends in the industry, Don Gonzalez, Don Pedro Gonzalez, he introduced an anniversary edition, and it was a 60 ring gauge. It was a huge cigar, and it was torpedo, so that was even more awkward for me to handle. And I said, Pedro, why did you make it so big? And he said, because that's the only way that I could get the flavor that I wanted my anniversary cigar to have. And makes perfect sense. It's still one of my favorite cigars. He makes great cigars. I really enjoy the Don Gonzalez brand. And it's one of those kind of craft brands you don't find just everywhere.
0: No, but he is really good about getting out and doing events, and he'll bring rollers out, and he'll do things. You know, he's a part of the community, so it's not just about seeing a facing on a shelf.
1: Well, and that's one of the things he told me. He said, you know, I could spend $10,000 and get an ad in aficionado, or I can spend time with the people smoking my cigars mm-hmm. and he explains the process and he's the only person I've ever met he takes the draw of his cigar personally if really? someone picks up one of his cigars and it doesn't draw it is a personal affront to him he is absolutely mortified um, to the point he bought he said the machine it's a draw later it's a $5,000 machine and when they roll them in his factory, they put them in that draw later. And if they don't draw to a certain degree, they don't get paid for that bundle of cigars. I wonder,
0: I would love to see the engineering on something called the draw later.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's got to be before they put the cap on. That's the only way they could check it. That, that's what I'm
0: thinking. I'm just thinking of an uncut cigar. And in its,
1: I just don't know how you would do it, but I'm sure there's, there's clearly a way. Well, I, I picture some sort of a clear plexiglass tube with stainless steel on both sides. I, don't, I haven't either, but <laughs> I would love to go to his factory and see one and I'm figure just, that out. I'm just picturing
0: the still from M.A.S.H. in the swamp. Like, just tubes <laughs> and bulbs and, and glassware everywhere for some apparent reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he he does a great job with that. But to me, that's really important when you start talking about the people involved in the cigar industry. How much interaction with the everyday smoker does your company have, and how does that translate from the shelves into my hand? And I think that says a lot about your uh,
0: affinity for Drew Estate cigars, right? I mean, they get out and they do press events and they do barn smokers, and they do, and they get out in the community. And that's one of the things that, that I really look for. You know, I love to be at a shop. You know, one of the things that I look for is um, events. I, want to see, I don't want to see an event every weekend. That's too much. But I love seeing a shop that's regularly scheduling events, maybe once every six to eight weeks. It keeps the interest up. But it's also, for me, is a time to try something I wouldn't try otherwise. You know, I'm not going to pick certain cigars off the shelf. But if that rep is in there slinging his wares, I'm going to take advantage of a buy three, get one. And I'm going to try the full line for a discount enjoy myself in the evening, get to talk with somebody in the in the industry, you know, it, it's a win-win-win for me.
1: Well, and it's always interesting. I always talk to these different reps, and when I walk in and they're, you know, Nat Sherman had an event, and Nat Sherman's, they're good cigars. They're not my reach-for, go-to cigar. See, everyone
0: in kind of our circle feels the same way you do, except for me. I love Nat Sherman's. I don't know if it's something about the heritage of the name, but I love Nat Sherman's cigars. And they don't really fit my flavor profile, whatever. I'm usually a knock-your-socks-off-strong kind of guy, but I really enjoy
1: it. What is the um, heritage of the name? I've never heard the story. I, I don't know. I just,
0: oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I I could make up some soliloquy of it. I, I just, it's when I first got into cigars, it was one of those old names, that's those old legacy brands, I guess is that's remained out of the clutches of a bigger supplier. I guess to me, that's what I think of. It's a it's an independent that has stood, you know, over a hundred years. I think.
1: And I guess that's a pet peeve of mine. I hate when they're having an event and somebody walks in walks right past the rep and goes into the humidor and picks a cigar. The rep's right there. Tell him what you're going in the humidor to get. He's probably got something similar with a little bit of a twist to that. And at the very least, it's
0: just, it's neighborly, right? You know, it kind of goes back to the whole gentleman theme that, that runs through this show, which is, you know, the, the, the higher order. If someone's, if someone's out there hustling, throw him a buck. Now, there may be a, a brand that you just absolutely know that there's nothing they make that you like, and that's that's fine. Um, but to just make a beeline, yeah, you're right. It's kind of a, at least give it a shot.
1: Well, and it always drives, it, it, it actually, because he's my friend, it actually offends me when I'm at an event with Pedro and someone walks by him into the humidor I did, it, it offends me as he's buddy because I'm like if you had any idea how much effort this man puts into being sure that you're going to pick up a cigar that tastes good and draws good it just it drives me nuts and that may be me being oversensitive but you
0: know you also run into you know it could be the fact that there is someone who judges a shop not necessarily on events by, but by what's on the hu- in, hmm let me let me take another run at that <laughs> it might be that their judgment of what makes a good shop is based on what's in the humidor or maybe what isn't in the humidor
1: yes for me i need a drew diplomat dealer i need him to have we went to an event i was meeting with jeff tonnell another great friend of mine in the cigar industry he used to be our rep and now he's a national sales manager for drew estate And we went to an event at a well-known cigar bar around here. One of those places that, you know, people go to in the higher end of town. And they weren't even a Drew Diplomat dealer. I couldn't get a Balmoral. I couldn't get a Liga Provada. I couldn't get any of the things that I just wanted so much. And that just drove me nuts. So I think my bar is always going to be, I want a Drew Diplomat dealer. So it's funny. Mine has actually
0: changed just because of the way different brands get bought and sold and things it, it, for me it used to be the san cristobal i that used to be the cigar that if if they had that uh their their medium line ashton but now you're seeing them more and more places and because of their popularity at being that quality at a, a much lower price now for me it's either crowned heads or roma roma craft which i'm smoking tonight. Um, There's just something about a boutique band that's not boutique for the sake of being boutique. And that's what I get out of Roma Craft. They're high quality, and they take the time and take the effort, and you can still taste and feel the passion. And anybody who's doing purchasing orders behind the counter, if they recognize that, then I have a feeling that I'm going to enjoy myself in their shop because we're probably kindred spirits in some way.
1: And, you know, I got a chance to meet the guys that run Roma Craft when they were at an event at our local shop. And that's what he said We make X number of cigars a year. I don't remember the number. And that's all we're going to make. If we sell out of those a month after we buy, make them, that's it. That's all we're going to make. They have set a production goal. They meet that goal, and they're not going to ever sacrifice quality. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about a a cigar that I used to love, but they got ranked top on Aficionado, and then their quality just fell to pieces. It absolutely broke my heart.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to hear that, and we'll get to it right after this.
1: The Cigar Cast presents Cigar Etiquette Tip of the Week
0: There comes a time in every cigar where you have to say goodbye I know it's sad, but that's the nature of the beast Here's the thing though There's no need to snuff that cigar out in the ashtray and really grind it down It'll go out on its own as it naturally does throughout the course of the enjoyment Just lay it down in the bowl of the ashtray and give it time to naturally put itself out You'll be doing a favor to the people around you who don't have to be overwhelmed with the plumage of smoke. And it also makes cleaning it up a lot easier for the employees.
1: Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves. Still sitting here smoking my cigar with Trey Deadman. Welcome back, everybody. And during the break, we both sat here and talked about life and all its issues. Sometimes I think during the break, we miss some great audio because we just keep talking to each other.
0: <laughs> it does. And it, there's, it, I think for me, that's what I enjoy about doing the show. It's what I hope our listeners like about hearing the show. But it's also what I like about enjoying cigars. You know, we could just as easily be two blokes sitting out on the back porch enjoying cigars and talking, but this... I don't know, this, having a having a communal experience uh, around it, I don't know, I
1: I find it really enjoyable. I do, too. I, and it's interesting, we're two people who, in normal walks of life, would have never met but for cigars. It's true.
0: There's, there's, I think that might be the, that and the love of fishing might be the only two things that you and I
1: have in common. And if you're fishing right, you don't meet anybody else when you're doing it. And fishing is one of those things that i love doing with other people but i'm just as happy when i'm by myself and it's just me and listening to the water go by the other day i went fishing trout fishing i had a um crow um the green one what is that called is that the neanderthal sure <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember what that I one's called i don't smoke candelas, so i don't know them very well, I'm afraid. Well, the Roma Craft Candela is one of the only Candelas I smoke. I've got three or four Fuente Candelas laying in there in the humidor that I'll probably never smoke. They're just for some friends to have when they want to try something different. Well, St.
0: Patrick's Day is coming up. I might have to break that one out.
1: By all means. But the Candela, that creamy, rich flavor was perfect. It was about 80 degrees and the water was running and the trout were hitting and it was just... It was perfect. Absolutely a perfect day, but... So I noticed you cut your cigar with a different cutter. I know. I'm branching out. Can you believe it? I've seen that and all, and I know you want to do a product review on that cutter. Tell us about it. So this is really exciting for me because
0: I am an accessories nerd, and which is even more funny in the fact that I didn't own a cigar lighter until about five years ago, and I've been smoking for about 12. And... I always just use matches. And then once I bought my first lighter, I got into lighters. And then, of course, I worked for a lighter company and the cutters and all of that stuff. And about uh, four years ago, I guess, Calibri, I was working for them at the time, came out with the V cutter, which we have talked about uh, on a previous episode when we were talking about cutters in general. And it easily became one of my favorite cutters. Well, a year ago they came out with a straight blade version of the V-cut. And I have been pining over this cutter for a very long time because I absolutely love the V-cutter. And so it was really, really fun for me to get my hands on this cutter. Now, is it a straight blade? Is it a dual blade? How does it work? So it is a dual guillotine um, with a single fixed blade. So anybody who has seen or used the Calibri V Cut, it is a spring-loaded, um, single-bladed uh, cutter. The the straight cut version is the same design. So it's got a single button in the face that, when you depress, actually releases the blade to go up. And there's a there's a secondary fixed blade in which helps with the ergonomics. But also, you know, I, I would tell anybody to stay away from a single-blade cigar cutter at all costs from a guillotine standpoint. And so you get the self-sharpening that those are known for. You also get a much more precise cutting environment on the head of the cigar, so you're less likely to rip it. Uh, it's just a great design from that standpoint. Um, I, I used it for the first time cutting my cigar tonight, and I was blown away. Now, I typically use a Zykar XI-2. That is my go-to cutter. It goes with me everywhere. And the cut that I got on this cutter is so... It, well, it's every bit as good, if not better. Number one, I just like the way it fits in my hand a lot better. It's the exact same size um, from a height and width. It's got the same profile as the V-cutter, but it is about only 75% as deep as the v-cutter so and that's due mostly in part to the shape of the blade but it it also contributes to it being considerably lighter by probably i wouldn't quite say it's half as light but it's somewhere between there and three quarters which when i was selling the v-cutter a lot of people their biggest complaint was how heavy it was i'm a little just me personally i like heavy accessories I go out to bars to smoke cigars and I go out places and when I when I carry something that's a little bit heavier I can always tell when I stand up if I've got it or not if it's in my pocket because I can feel it there so I kind of wished that it had the same heft as the V cutter. But that being said, the construction is fantastic. They have changed the Allen heads on the rivets. Uh, so this is probably going to be a little bit harder to take apart than my old V cutter was. One of the things I loved about that V cutter is if you got something jammed or whatever, you take it apart in three minutes, you put it right back together. Good as new. Um, I can't leave well enough alone. I like to take things apart. But, and it's thirty nine
1: bucks now how often do you lube your cutters do you ever lube them up or do you just let them run i just let them run do they does the manufacturer since you used to work for Calibri, does the manufacturer recommend anything as far as that because i know i'm prone to put a little three-in-one in in my cutters just because i think various pieces of tobacco get down there into the gears and into the workings and i'll just take that three-in-one and just give it a little shot
0: So, I'll tell you, this is where I can't leave well enough alone. Rather than do something like that, typically what I will do with a cutter is take it apart. Kind of like I'm field stripping a gun, right? And I will just take it apart and clean every piece with a... I need to get a hobby. Um, (laughs) And clean every piece with a a rag soaked in rubbing alcohol. Gets all the dust and fine particles and it makes it good as new. It's very meditative, it's very cathartic, and it's for me, it's a good way to spend it, you know, just kind of relaxing afternoon or something. But that's what I do for maintenance. Obviously, the manufacturer, you're going to void the warranty if you do that. So just buyer, buyer beware on that. Um, that being said, a little bit of, like, gun oil mm-hmm. uh, right down in the gears or right down in the springs and stuff will, will do a great job in in keeping everything moving freely.
1: Well, I grew up in the most simple of generations, the duct tape WD-40 generation. It's if it moves and it shouldn't, you duct tape it and if it should move and it doesn't, you WD-40 it. So I always have a can of 3 in 1, though in talking to you possibly using a flammable lubricant probably ain't the best move with my cutting tools. Well, I mean I don't it...
0: Unless you're cutting and lighting the lighter at the exact same time and you've just lubed it, the the volatility of flammable substances are going to be such that I don't think you're going to have to worry about any risk there.
1: Well, and a drop of a lubricant goes a long way when it comes to putting together certain things. So, (laughs) if Bo was here, he would never let that slide. (laughs) I know. But I'm a... I'm like you, I have a hobby of knife collecting. I have over 200 knives. I'm getting new ones all the time. It's a hobby I picked up from my late grandfather that I dearly love. And I'm like you, it's very cathartic for me to sit down with a knife and sharpen it. To really get out the whetstone and get that perfect edge. The no burr. Um, I leave them a little rough, but I have a leather strop and I strop them real good. And it's, there's something to that process.
0: And that's with going back to the cutter itself. When you talk about that, you know one of the things I love about this, and I'll let you play with it a little bit. There's there's just a little bit of an edge when you get right just about to, through the cut, which you would be through the cigar at this point. You can really feel the two blades getting right up against each other, just gliding past each other with really great tolerances, uh, at least on this one. Which is if you ever hear the term self sharpening guillotine cutter i think it was savoy or davidoff i don't remember which that kind of coined that term but it's basically the idea that you're pseudo filing or stropping them every time you close and open the blade and this cigar this cutter does that really really well um so you're going to keep a nice fine edge on it for a very
1: long time you know there's something romantic about maintenancing equipment Um, Whether it be sharpening your knife, Uh, my dear friend, my pastor, actually, but he's also one of my best friends in the world. He loves shining shoes. He picked that up from his grandfather. And when he steps up there on stage, having that fresh sheen on his shoes is so important to him. And I think if you don't have that hobby, cultivate that somewhere. Find something that you love and just maintenance it.
0: And especially when it comes to something that's me- meticulous and tedious, it, it's especially if you're anything like me where you wake up in the morning, you drink your coffee, you go to work, you come home, you go to sleep, you go, and you're running all day long, right? And so having something, maybe it's fishing, maybe it's maintenance, maybe it's maintenance on fishing equipment. uh Taking the time to slow down and just... I mean, I've got friends that don't even go to the gun range, but they'll sit around and clean their guns just because there's something zen-like about it, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, I've got friends that one of their favorite times of the year is right before mowing season when they get out their lawnmower and they sharpen the blade and they check the oil and they clean out the air filters and they just go through the whole process of putting that lawnmower together to get ready to do that. And I think, I think for me, there's a certain element of
0: that in just enjoying a cigar, right? I mean, just, it requires you to sit down, relax, slow down a little bit. Now you can certainly, you know, do some work and stuff while you're enjoying a cigar too. But for me, the the end of the day, kind of like today, I was so excited to just, sit down and enjoy myself and I can do that through maintenance I can do that through the enjoyment of the cigar in general and if you can put both together all more power to you but I will say just as a final on on the cutter this as a review, this gets 5 out of 3 stars for me this what's, is fantastic
1: what's the retail price on that cutter? 39 bucks
0: so it's every bit as good if not better than the Zycar, in my opinion and it's 20 bucks cheaper than the one i'm used to using and it's it's all about what fits your hand it's all about ergonomics um so i can't wait for you to try this and see if you like it as much as you like your v-cut um because it's just they you know i said about the v-cut that they reinvented the wheel when they created this just because it was a design that had never been used before and i think for the straight cut they do it they did the same thing. Um, they also come with a uh, with a version that has a solid back. So if you're one of the people that is is still trying to figure out how much the tip of the cigar to cut off, it's got a back on it. So you just put it up until it
1: stops, and then
0: it perfect cut every time.
1: There's a lot of free cutters out there that are really good cutters. Um, Drew Estate at their events is almost always giving away one. The only thing I don't like about some of Drew Estate's cutters they have a back to them. Which is excellent if you're a novice cigar.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was just talking about. I mean, it's great,
1: but. I usually end up cutting twice when I use that because I like a little bit deeper cut. I don't. And the only accessory I'm not able to use, for some reason, I have never mastered the cigar scissors.
0: Oh, I've got some that I need to bring you because they're made for guys with grizzly bear size paws. And their Davidoff scissors, they're about six inches long, and the blade is probably about three inches long. You would love it, and it's perfect for 60 and
1: above. Well, that's what I need to look into. There was a gentleman at um, Corona Cigars downtown in Orlando. He cut my cigar for me one day. I would bought a nice Padron. We were about to get on a cruise boat. We had a couple of hours to kill before we set sail, and I said, well, let's go over here and have a cigar. And he cut my cigar for me, and he was an artist with these scissors. I mean, I practically expected, you know, the little trick where they cut the men out and they all come out in a string? That's what I thought the cap of my cigar would look like when he was done. <laughs> he was just an artist with it, and I envied that guy knowing how to use that cutter that well. Now, he probably cuts, you know, 150 cigars a day, so through sheer reputation, he should have it down at this point. And that's, you know, when I'm, when I'm at the shop, when I'm behind
0: the counter or whatnot, and
1: someone asks me to
0: cut their cigar for them because they're not used to it or they don't know how to do it or whatever the case may be, uh, one of the things that I always do is, at least for a novice, is, is I'll set the, the cutter flat on the table so that you just stick the cigar in against whatever flat surface it's on, and and it gets you pretty close to that perfect cut every time. But, yeah, there's definitely – you don't have to spend – good money to get a good cutter but there is something about a fine piece of engineering and that that to me just makes like I said I'm a light I'm a accessories nerd so it's really exciting for me to get to use this for the first time on the podcast but also to be able to use it um, but also be able to review it
1: that is I'm a total lighter junkie I love my lighters I have several different kinds and I love trying them and Different-shaped cigars I use different lighters for because I'm always trying to maintain that cool smoke. I don't want to light my cigar too hot. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people do wrong. And just having a professional, and believe me, anybody working at a cigar shop would love to cut your cigar for you. You will not be inconveniencing them, and they will not call you a name. They will do nothing of the sort. They would enjoy doing that rather than seeing you ruin your 8 to $10 investment trying to cut a cigar poorly.
0: Well, especially because I've seen everything from people cutting a full inch off of the end of their cigar. I've even seen someone cut the foot of the cigar off and then light the cap <laughs> and smoke the thing. They only smoked it about, you know, maybe an inch and a half. I don't know if it, the draw just wasn't getting it there for them or if they just clearly were not really accustomed to the time investment of a
1: full cigar. But it cracked me up when I saw that. And Cuban cigars are known for having the triple cap. That's a real Cuban um, technique. Most cigars we smoke either have a single and some will have a double cap. But Cubans, I've noticed, a lot of them, they are known for that triple capping. And I do enjoy the triple cap more so than I enjoy the Cuban. Cubans, to me, um, the reputation's a little overblown.
0: And I remember when I was first getting into the industry, there was a big thing about the triple cap. It was kind of a fad. I mean, you still see it quite a bit, but when whenever the conversation about where to cut the cigar would come up, it would always be between the second and the third little seam on the... Ca- I, um, smoke what you like, cut it how you like, light it how you like. It, it, it's all about a personal taste.
1: For probably the first um, year of my cigar time of learning to smoke cigars, I carried a punch because my theory always was I can punch it. And if it don't work right, then I can cut it. I would just assume punch first. And then if that's not giving me the sufficient draw, be able to cut it. And I think that's something to always remember. You can always cut more off. Right. If in doubt, just cut a little bit. Now I've seen guys that take their cutter and they just perforate the cap and just pull the cap off and smoke it that way. I've always needed to cut it just a little bit deeper than that and actually get into that binder and filler area. I feel like we're repeating our first episode.
0: (laughs) 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 But that's the nature of the way this goes. It's just wherever the, the night takes us. But you teased a story before the break that I definitely don't want to get out of here before I hear.
1: So, Casa Magna Cigar Company, they had the distinction. They were the first cigar to be number one on Cigar Aficionado for under $8. And it was the Casa Magna Colorado Robusto. I remember how long it took me to remember that. And I searched far and wide till I found one. Found one, smoked it. It was wonderful. It had that rich, oily taste to it. It had a little bit of nutty flavor to it. It was wonderful. And I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. This may be the last cigar I ever smoke because this cigar is absolutely wonderful a year later, I'm getting them, and the flavor just ain't there. And I thought, has my palate changed? Well, in talking at the shop of other fellas, I found out Casa Magna went into massive production as soon as they won number one, and their quality just went down. And that just breaks my heart. Have you ever had a cigar break your heart?
0: I have. It was, uh, for me, it was the Gurkha Ghost. It was a phenomenal cigar. And I was actually given one of the pre-release versions from the rep at the time and just fell in love with it. and so they, re- they officially released it at the trade show in uh, 2012, I think it was, and it may have been 13. and everyone loved it. It was like I said, it was a phenomenal cigar, and at 10 bucks it was it was really great for, for their line. Well, everyone ordered it. And everyone immediately sold out of it, and every batch I've had since then has had that kind of ammonia flavor to it, that really acrid, just sort of burn your nose kind of thing. And and I think it's because they rush, rush production, and that's it's always a shame. I don't, no one sets out, and I, I still don't think it's a bad cigar. It's just be they may have gotten that under control by now. I don't know because it's just one of those things where I haven't gone back to
1: it because of that. Well, and it's interesting. I've not smoked a Casa Magna. I actually got sick on one, and I physically did not feel good. One of the two cigars that's ever actually made me queasy, and I've just not been able to bring myself to smoke another one. I need to break down and see if Casa Magna got their act together or not. But well, I used to
0: know the rep for Casa Magna, and I've had a few of those um, since then, and they've got a bunch of really good cigars in their life if you can, I definitely recommend you give them another shot and get back on that horse so to speak just because they're doing some really good stuff and the price point is
1: beautiful and that goes back to kind of what we talked about in the first part of the show you don't have to be rich to live the good life and so much of the good life I think is deciding what you what you want to do and doing it and worrying about counting the costs later. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go out and buy a Maserati, but I would. I enjoy driving my old pickup truck. I love driving my old pickup truck everywhere I go. I enjoy just the sensation of getting in there, and I think sometimes cigars take on that nature for us.
0: Yeah, I think they definitely do, and I think it's really... You know, it kind of brings us—at least where I think we're headed—is the
1: fact that you don't always have to spend over eight dollars to find a fine cigar, and that's as good a transition as we'll ever make on this show. For those <laughs> listening, and all uh, this week's cigar under eight dollars. Um, every week we like to profile a cigar that's under eight dollars that you can pick up, that you can enjoy without having to spend a lot of money. A cigar that you can take with you fishing, so that. When you hook the 8-pound steelhead and it falls out of your mouth into the river, you're not so sad. This week, I'm going to profile the Rocky Patel Super Hero Toro. The Super Lajero is a cigar that you either love or you hate. It seems very polarizing. I don't find a lot of people that say, ah, I could smoke one. I think the thing with that, if
0: I'm any indication, is you get... If you take someone who's used to smoking LFDs and a lot of really strong haro based cigars and you see this label that says Super Lajero, you're like, holy crap, this thing's going to blow my head off. And it doesn't do that. It's not going to be the strongest cigar that you've ever smoked. But what they did do was balance the Haro flavor with the rest of the cigar in such a way that you get the flavor from that leaf without it becoming a one-note instrument.
1: And it's a Honduran cigar made in Honduras. It was first released in 2015. I think it was probably about that time that I got my first one from our local rep. And just a wonderful smoke. If you're looking in the humidor this weekend and you're looking for that cigar just to enjoy, try the Super Lajero. I really think you'll be pleased. Yeah, it's...
0: and. The good thing is you're going, to find, you're going to find it in most shops. It's usually placed with the rest of the Rocky, so even if you try it and find you don't like it, you know that the edge right next to it on the shelf is still going to be a knockout, and you're going to pay the same amount for that.
1: That's a great cigar. Um, how is your cranium
0: treating you? This is exactly what I needed today. This is the cigar I wanted to smoke. It's the cigar I needed to smoke. And it's treated me well all the way down.
1: The, and how far down you smoke the cigar, we've discussed before. Some people just smoke it to the label. Some people smoke it till it burns their fingertips. I, when a cigar stops tasting good to me, that's when I let it go. Mm-hmm. A really good cigar I've found actually puts itself out at that point. You know, you get to that point where the cigar is too short to relight. And it just puts itself out. And to me, that's the mark of a cigar that was made properly. I run
0: into that when I'm on the golf course a lot of times where it'll be, it'll get to about where it is now, where it's about two inches long. And if I let it go out, I can't get it to consistently relight. I'll, I can relight it, but then it, it'll go right back out. And that's when I start forcing it, I'm like, okay, I just, I, I'm done. It, it's telling me, slow down, boy.
1: I, I, <laughs> Time to reach in the, the travel humidor and pull you out another one and unroll it and all. I find a cigar usually lasts me about six to eight holes of golf. That's usually about my line for them. I always try to smoke one after I have my first par or birdie. So that's usually two or three holes in for me. That So I guess I would then smoke at the 19th hole? <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how hard the course is and... One of the things I'm looking forward to in the cigar cast in the future is some trips down to some more exotic locations. We're going to go to some different cigar shops around the south. Um, one of the trips, if you're ever in Prattville playing Capitol Hill down there in Montgomery, Alabama, there is an amazing cigar shop there. It's called Prattville Cigars, and the lady that owns it does an amazing job of keeping a well stocked humidor. No padrones in her humidor. I was in there one time, and I said, why do you not have Padron? She said, the Padron family is too much trouble for me to deal with. For the volume I buy, the family just does not produce. And also, it's really interesting to talk to owners and find out why certain cigars are there and why certain cigars are not. One of the lounges we'll visit soon is the Cigar Room in Madison, Alabama. I bet he sells more Gurkhas than anyone in the country. And... I don't know how you can't hardly give them away around here. <laughs> I'm just. Trey's shaking his head because I'm talking about cigars I don't like when I should be talking about cigars I do. <laughs> well,
0: before Shane does any more damage, I think I'm going to get us out of here. Um, but in the meantime, until we meet again next week, uh, I do want to remind everybody that you can follow us on all forms of social media, which is uh, facebook.com slash the cigar cast. Twitter and Instagram are both at The Cigar Cast. And depending on your method of conveyance for this week, I do want to let you know that we are now on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play, so you can find us in all podcast formats. If there is a delivery service that you use that we are not on, please get in touch with us. You can also drop us a line at info at by, via email, and we will definitely... Uh, pursue those avenues if there's a, an easier way for you to hear us every week.
1: Trey, thank you for taking the time tonight and sharing a cigar with me. It's good to be a couple of friends sitting on the back porch having a cigar. This podcast was almost called Cigars on the Back Porch, but we decided to go with the Cigar Cast instead.
0: But either way, it's a perfect name. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next week.